You're listening to Girls Gone Wad. This is Joy. Yeah, this is Claire. And today we have Sarah Pierce on the podcast. I'm just going to go ahead and jump into her bio because it's so extensive that I feel like I would be missing something. So Sarah has been coaching CrossFit for eight years. She's owned two CrossFit gyms for over seven years. I don't even know how you'd begin to do that. She's coached <laughs> volleyball at the high school level for three years, gymnastics for five years. She's been programming her for her clients for seven years, nutrition, strength, and conditioning. She has a double bachelor's degree in biochemistry and physiology from Sonoma State University. She's level one and level two CrossFit certified, as well as Olympic weightlifting and nutrition certified. She has an NASM certification. She's a regional competitor from NorCal region and consistently finished in the top 30 in the open and at regionals each year. This year, she went with Team CrossFit CSA and they placed eighth at the California regional. And she's a professional signed grid athlete in the NPGL on the LA Reign. Welcome, Sarah Pierce. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> for being on the podcast. <laughs> we have a wonderful, Thanks. wonderful community that's super excited to hear from you. So before we Yay. get before we jump into all the wonderful things listed in, in your bio, we need to promote our sponsor, Kalo, the makers of the silicone wedding ring. You guys love them. We love them. If you don't know them by now, where please, have you been? Where have you been? Get to know them. <laughs> Everyone needs to have a gym BFF so you guys can have your gym BFF rings that's or awesome. <laughs> you can sport the Kalo wedding ring as an actual wedding ring. And if If you enter code GGW at checkout, you get 15% off your order. So go support the podcast, support Kalo, Q-A-L-O.com. Yeah, I love those things. I've seen a lot of people wearing them. No, but I've seen a lot of people wearing them. Yeah, they're they're really cool. They're really awesome. And I was one of those people that's like, I'm not sure I'm going to wear this or like really get any use out of it just because it's one of those things you don't really know that you need till you have it. (laughs) And then once you get it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is really awesome. Why did I waste that time wearing a nice ring? Yeah, like all this, all my gross activities. Yeah, well, exactly. And I think I don't think I could ever wear jewelry, like actual metal jewelry, when I'm working out. No, so yeah, it's definitely cool. Yeah. So Sarah, let's get started with you. Um, yeah. How? I guess we can, we always like to start and jump into the CrossFit testimonial, mm-hmm. <laughs> like how you briefly, like how you got introduced to CrossFit and yeah. how that became a part of your life. Yeah. So um, in 2007, my business partner, who I ended up opening the gyms with, um, he introduced me to CrossFit. CrossFit, and I really had no um, background in fitness. I had done volleyball kind of at the high school and college level, but I wasn't uh, very athletic. I couldn't do a push-up or a pull-up to save my life. I kind of had strong legs and could jump, but I didn't have a lot of, you know, great conditioning or anything like that, and I'd never weightlifted before. Um, I kind of just played, like, intramural in college for fun, and so uh, I was actually dating the guy at the time, and we just started working out together in his garage because he was a, an ex-gymnast, and was looking for something to keep his fitness up and at that point nobody knew what CrossFit was when we started doing it so uh, we were in the back of a little gymnastics center in Petaluma California and it was um, just a, us and a couple of our friends and we would just do workouts and just slowly but surely we started bringing people into our group until we kind of grew our client base to about 50 people um, and I got new, uh, level one certified with CrossFit at that point and started coaching people and my favorite 
favorite part about it was honestly being able to coach women um, and being able to show them that, hey, you can do pull-ups, you can do push-ups, you can be strong. Um, And that was really fun for me. So we kind of just started from there, just really small and gradually started opening up our own facilities. That's amazing. And so what year was that? That was 07. That was 07. Okay. And then when did you start getting into the competitive side? Um, Not for a couple years. At first, I was brand new to it and obviously had to scale everything. So my partner and I, we actually both competed in the, we attended the 07 games, the 2007 games, which was the first CrossFit games ever. And then we competed in 2008. But back then it was like... Not to interrupt you, was the 2007 games the one where they're like in a dirt field? Oh, that was all the way up until 09. So yeah. they didn't even start. I think even 2010 was, it was at Aromas, which is like by Santa Cruz. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's literally Dave Castro's family's ranch. Oh, that's and so, so funny. it was in the dirt and the like heat and just there was a barbecue and it was it was like a local competition that you'd go to now. Um, just very laid back and fun and we competed in two thousand eight and I did Fran, which is thrusters and pull ups with an empty bar and jumping pull ups and I still tore my hands to shreds by then. <laughs> <laughs> I love seeing the pictures from those early days too of like everybody in like their um you know nike running shoes yep, right like, exactly yeah, <laughs> and yeah then there's the sure. running shoes and they're like yep. adidas wind pants yep i'm pretty sure that i did that workout in like asics shoes yeah. <laughs> like he- running heel <laughs> but uh yeah that was kind of when i started to think that competing was cool but i definitely wasn't on the level that i needed to be to be good so we kind of just did it for fun and then the local competitions really started to happen and so like oh eight oh nine i started to take it a little bit more seriously but I didn't really start competing at a high level in terms of um, being competitive at regionals or anything like that till about like 2012-2011 so my kind of really competitive level didn't come about until about three years ago. And then how did you get into the the meal planning and just kind of turning your everything really that you do now into a business talk a little bit about how you coach people with your meal planning and and, uh, even just workouts. Yeah so I um, obviously I owned the gyms um, for about seven years and I don't own them anymore but it was a really good experience I ran and uh, managed owned two CrossFit gyms simultaneously they were in different cities which was a challenge um, but I so you're to- not busy at all you don't multitask ever <laughs> no never <laughs> Yeah, it was a very interesting experience. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I also sometimes don't envy gym owners because I know how hard it is. I very much prefer being a coach and a trainer to being an owner. Um, I don't like the politics and the business side of things. I really just like to help people and coach them. So once I kind of left the gym scenario um, of owning, I was kind of in like a limbo situation where I just started doing private training and was trying to find um, different gyms in my area where I could just work as a trainer and I started focusing a little bit more on my competing but I was I you could definitely say like ask people that know me that I was kind of lost like in a little bit of a transitional period in my life where I had lost something that I really loved and really loved to do and um, didn't really know where to go because I didn't want to kind of go into any other field in terms of my career so I started um, training people out of my little garage gym my boyfriend and I at our house we built this um, 
little mini garage gym. We have like a rower and a full uh, rig, a rogue rig and stall mats and kettlebells and just kind of really small, but everything that you'd need in a, in a CrossFit gym. And I started uh, bringing clients in, just people that I knew and kids from the local high school. I coach um, a volleyball player right now who wants to go to Stanford and play volleyball. So that kind of started me on it. And then I started doing nutrition for those people kind of in person. And then I have a couple friends on Instagram that do remote coaching and they're always advertising it. Um, and I just thought like, I have the qualifications to do it. And you know what, I'm gonna give it a shot. So I did and just started really small, just reaching out to people that I knew and just said, hey, I'm um, interested in, you know, working with you on meal planning and just experimentation because I've learned um, that that's really what nutrition is all about for each different person. And I just started building my client base and just opened it up, used my social media a lot. I mean, that's really been how I've gotten a lot of my clients is just um, advertising on social media and using um, now my clients' testimonials, but before just like the work I did on myself. Um, I changed my own nutrition and dropped like 15 pounds because I really needed to lean out. Um, I had a back injury and just um, didn't do a lot of working out for very uh, long periods of time. And so I was kind of gaining weight that I didn't want and just... Just kind of figured out my nutrition, dialed it in and thought like, I feel like if I can help myself, I can help other people. What does it usually look like for you when you, because I, I, I can already anticipate our listeners sitting here listening and thinking, what does it look like to dial in your nutrition? So without yeah. you know, obviously getting too specific, what do you usually, where do you usually start with that when you have a new client? Yeah. So when I have a new client, um, person usually reaches out to me just like by word of mouth. Um, and they obviously ask me what I do specifically. Um, so I've basically just because I started in 07, I've kind of gone through all of the transitional periods in CrossFit nutrition or in nutrition in general with the fads that kind of come and go. And I've experimented with the zone diet. I've experimented with South Beach. I've experimented with the paleo diet. I've kind of like tried everything to see um, how my body responds and what works best. And I've done a lot of research into it. And just depending on who I'm dealing with, the person that contacts me, if they're a competitor at a high level, whether it's CrossFit or another sport, or they're just kind of the weekend warrior who just likes to kind of work out for fun or they don't work out at all. It entirely depends on uh, what they're doing, how I kind of program for them. But I basically focus on macronutrients, so carbohydrates, protein, and fat, and I focus on their caloric intake. So depending on what their activity level is, you know, what they do for work, what they do for working out, um, what they do day to day, their kind of total daily energy expenditure. And I calculate how much food they need to take in based on that. And I try to put, if they do work out, I try to put as much of the carbohydrate uh, macronutrients around that working out period to support recovery and energy. And then we just kind of go from there, again, based on their day and their goals. Like I have clients that want to bulk up and I have clients that want to lean out and lots of different goals. Some just want to fuel their performance and they don't really care about what they look aesthetically. So it's it kind of runs the gamut. It's all different. But yeah, it's really based on macronutrient partitioning. So I don't focus on paleo necessarily. I have clients that really are strict paleo and want to stay that way. And it's what I do is can work really any way. I have vegan clients. I have people that have kind of their own ideas of what they want to do for their nutrition. And I don't really argue with people in that sense because I can really make it work however, because for me, again, it's about calories in, calories out. I feel like macros, I kind of, I mean, you have like the if it fits your macros, you know, hashtag, yeah. whatever, but I feel like that 
approach has become more and more popular at least i've seen it really explode like in the last maybe year or two because it does seem like you know people try paleo and for one reason or another it just does not jive with their body and maybe they lose a lot of weight at first and then whatever Mm -hmm. or they you know are vegan or or whatever it is like you're saying and it just seems like that seems to be the most universal approach of like you know what your entire life doesn't have to revolve around restricting your foods as long as you know how much of it you're eating exactly and i've i think that's a big thing especially now with all the foods um and places like restaurants having calorie counters on them and basically telling you know the caloric intake or the caloric value of each food it's making people more and more aware of just like the sheer calories that they're consuming. So what I find about paleo, just to like address it a little bit, is I think it's great. I don't have anything specifically against paleo. When I eat paleo or I eat clean, in other words, kind of avoiding processed sugars and grains and dairy, I feel better. I feel like I'm on a cleanse of some sort in some ways. And I think that's great for people. And it does help with fat loss. The problem is, is kind of twofold. Just one for the general population, there's no portion control. There's no portion sizes. So people on paleo can still sit down and eat a 10 ounce grass fed ribeye and call it good at a meal. Where right, that's or like an not entire big. jar of almond butter. Exactly. Or like six bananas in one city. And like you can eat whatever you want as oh, long yeah. as it's quote paleo. I and have then been I- that person. <laughs> Exactly. And I also I I do the same thing. And I also find that people make more allowances for getting kind of cheat meals in like, oh, well, I'm going to eat this whole pie, but it's paleo. So it's okay. And I think that's like the bad rap that the paleo they they get a a bad reputation on the community just for that. But as a, a stepping stone for somebody who maybe has a really horrible diet to start with, it's generally a good way to get somebody to be more mindful about what they're eating. Um, but then the other side of it is that for athletes, paleo doesn't really support a competitive athletic lifestyle. And it was made very glaring to me when I was a judge at the 2012 CrossFit Games. And I was down in the athlete briefing center and Dave Castro took a poll of all the athletes, and these are tops game, top games athletes, all the teams, all the individuals, all sitting in one room because they were there for a, work, a workout briefing. And he asked them on camera, how many of you eat paleo? And not one person raised their hand. So he said, how many of you eat 100% paleo all of the time? And they not one person raised their hand. And he also asked about the zone diet. And again, he pretty much got no response from that. So these athletes um, and how I program for my competitors or people who are really serious about CrossFit is you have to fuel your body and athletes just thrive off of carbohydrates. So it's not something um, with the paleo diet that's very easy to do because people get very burned out on sweet potato very quickly. Yeah. I am literally, um, my body, I'm at the point with my body where like I look at a sweet potato and I just exactly. like I have reached my lifetime limit of yep. sweet potato. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so it's great because the paleo diet is a lot of veggies, but veggies are not going to fuel your training. You need kind of fast acting, more simple carbohydrates. And most of the carbohydrates in, in the paleo diet are very fibrous and more complex and actually really low carbohydrate count. So people will actually lose a lot of water weight on paleo. And that's why you'll see people like really drastic lean out but then they'll plateau because they're not losing fat anymore because they're still eating too much but they've lost a lot of water weight because they basically don't eat carbs anymore so yeah I'll have people come to me that kind of say I've been eating paleo and I've lost you know 15 pounds but now it's been like three months and I haven't lost any weight and I don't know what to do and I'm still eating the same way so it's kind of like your metabolism will adapt and your body will just stop shedding Um, the body fat and building muscle because of that. And so it's kind of like a science trying to figure out with my clients, like what 
the best ratio for them is. So a lot of what I do is experimentation. So can you give a brief example of, because I think in CrossFit, especially because CrossFit is so available to everyone that we Mm -hmm. all think we kind of can't help but compare ourselves to the pros because we're all kind of in it together, so to speak. So can you just give a brief example of how different it is eating, you know, before and after a workout for an athlete versus the average Joe? And that that might be a broad question, but if you can just kind of or like no, for yeah, someone like yeah. if you're getting ready for a grid a grid match or yeah. if you're getting ready for regionals versus somebody who has you know is it, never going to compete in anything past a right. local competition maybe is only doing two or three workouts a week because kind of yeah. your average and crossfitter I, yeah and I think that's because too of Instagram like we're looking at their meals on Instagram like oh I should eat like that like a, exactly just a brief example yeah so like for instance I'll kind of compare myself to one of my clients like the way that I eat um, to kind of support my training is I ingest upwards of like three to 400 grams of carbohydrates a day. And I center them mostly around my workouts. And I do eat pretty clean. I'm not like eating donuts. Like I don't really agree with that diet prescription either. That's kind of gotten really popular. That has gotten really popular. Yeah. The if it fits your macros thing has again, a bad reputation because they're starting to promote like, oh, just eat, you know, cereal and like donuts and candy bars when you're working out. And that's again, like not going to be beneficial to most people. Some athletes that have the genetics to do that could get away with it but most of us can't so I basically again I carbohydrate kind of you could say it kind of treated as carbohydrate loading before during and after my training every day and then for the rest of the day I eat kind of moderate to minimal amounts of carbs but again like 300 to 400 grams total well most of my clients that are just average crossfitters they like to do it for fun they go in maybe three to five times a week for only an hour and you know 15 minutes of that is warm-up so really 45 minutes is when they're spiking their heart rate and doing resistance exercises they're only probably consuming between 150 to 200 grams of carbohydrates and again that's centered around um, their training times and then for the rest of the day it's kind of mostly protein and fat and veggies so it can kind of be paleo later in the day but what I encourage around training times are sugary carbohydrates so for instance me during my training previous and after my training, I will drink like a ridiculous amount of Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. um, lots of sugar, lots of protein. I drink a lot of whey protein when I'm training. And then my meal after my workout is always at least 100 grams of carbohydrate. And that could be white rice. It could be potatoes. It could be sweet potato, things like that. And so my clients... I definitely, if they work out, I have them follow a similar prescription, but the quantities are much lower. And again, that's entirely based on the fact that I'm training for four hours straight in the morning. I do a ridiculous amount of volume and strength, and then I do probably four or five metabolic conditioning workouts and a lot of work to where I'm just destroyed. And if I didn't refuel my glycogen levels, which is what my muscles burn as I'm training, then I would just feel horrible the rest of the day. I would be horribly sore the next day. And so kind of Fueling my body for my training um, is my goal, but if my clients work out, it's also their goal. It's just they eat a significantly (laughs) smaller amount than me. (laughs) Yeah. So, and, and do you use any supplements or adhere to any type of supplementation with diets? Yeah. So what I do with my clients is I ask them to get a blood panel done because before I did that myself, I kind of just would guess as to what vitamins or minerals I needed or supplements that I needed. Um, and it really honestly depends on what your blood panel says if you get blood work done. So when I got blood work done, I was kind of told, hey, you're a little low and you don't absorb vitamin D very well. You're a little low in vitamin B12 
things like that, iron. And so I actually supplement with those things on a daily basis because I find that my energy levels are better. Um, I stay lean much, much easier um, when I actually take those vitamins and minerals. But a lot of people don't need that. And so I don't want to give people unnecessarily unnecessary supplementation. But then in terms of workout supplementation kind of things, I take creatine monohydrate every day, probably about five grams um, before I train like 30 minutes prior. And that just helps me with um, recovery time during my workouts and explosive power. And creatine is a very powerful, you wouldn't call it a drug, but a supplement that you can take to kind of aid in your uh, training. It's definitely not, it kind of gets, again, bad reputation from people saying, oh, you gain water weight from it. Again, that's if you're taking massive amounts and you're trying to be a bodybuilder and gain size, but just to support athletic endeavors, it's a great supplement. And then I take fish oil, about five grams a day, 5,000 milligrams a day, and that's just to keep general inflammation down because because I train a lot, I do sometimes get joint pain or I get really sore, so I find fish oil really helps to combat that. Really high levels of vitamin D, and then other than that, that's really all that I do. I hate pre-workout, and I really try to get all my clients to stay away from pre-workout I find that all it does is kind of give you jitters or make you very shaky. And I had a really bad experience at regionals two years ago where I um, had to do a max distance handstand walk and as one of the events. And it's one of my best events. I mean, I'm really good at handstand walking and I thought that I was going to kill it. Sydney said that you're like, you do handstands everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. I do handstands everywhere and I do like handstand walking obstacle courses. Like that's how much I love it. So I I think I saw that on your Instagram where you're like, you're like bopping over (laughs) like bars and (laughs) and plates. And yeah. So I was really pumped for just a basic max distance handstand walk in a certain amount of time. Well, right beforehand, I took a pre-workout because I thought like, oh, it'll help me. And all it did was make me so shaky. That Are you talking it, about like, like a like a caffeine type of thing? Yeah, it was like, to, like ca- yeah. yeah, it was like a caffeine kind of nitric oxide booster. Like not, it was on the approved list. It wasn't like a banned substance or anything, but it was like just your general kind of pre-workout that everybody takes. Um, you can, you know, any company sells them. And Maybe I took this one. you get a one, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And I and most of like progenics and all them they make pre-workouts too so i i don't remember what brand it was but i took it and halfway down the first stretch of the handstand walk which for me is like nothing it's like 40 feet i started shaking so bad that i fell and if you fall you're done so the second that you come out of the handstand that was your distance and i was devastated like how did i just and i was shaking and i was like wow that was definitely the pre-workout so from then on, I've never taken it since then. And I just don't I don't recommend it for people because I don't think that it um, really helps. If you have good nutrition and you get good sleep, you should have, you know, ample amounts of energy to fuel your workout on your own. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So you had a yeah. bad experience and then you're like, never again. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the, you know, our audience really is kind of the more we don't have a, I don't, well, maybe we do, but I don't think we have a ton of like competitive athletes listening to yeah. our podcast. But I kind of want to know what is the difference of when you're coaching these competitive athletes or even for yourself of kind of the standards that you're adhering to or like e- either diet or is there anything like specific goals that you're working on that might be different? Just kind of like an inside view right. of what it is that you really, really need to hone in on and dial in on. Yeah. Well, definitely in terms of because I before I was a competitor, I was just kind of a crossfitter who did it for fun and who wanted to be fit and just enjoy the movements and learn. And so 
and I still do that now, but um, definitely it's a lot more serious at this point um, for me. But I think the difference really is, first of all, the just the amount of volume that I do. Um, like I said, like four hours of training a day, people like look at my workouts when I publish them sometimes and cringe and they're like, oh my God, I would die after like 15 minutes of that. <laughs> so yeah. it's like definitely the amount of volume is different. I train my weaknesses as much as I can. So I'm a, I'm kind of a, more of a strength-based athlete. I move the barbell really well. And even though I walk on my hands really well, my gymnastics, like my pull-ups and muscle-ups and things like that are my weaker points because I definitely am heavier and bigger. So I have a little bit more trouble with those movements. Movements. So I really train my weaknesses as often as I can. For the most part, I do my own programming, but I know a lot of competitive athletes follow very strict programming that's, again, a lot of volume that's usually done by someone who coaches competitive competitive athletes. A lot of it's online, just the way that I do it. And yeah, eating, honestly, I'm a little different than some um, of the competitive athletes that I know. And I guess it kind of goes hand in hand with me not being, you know, top 10 at regionals as an individual and not making the games. But I, and this is one thing that I always tell my clients and my boyfriend and my friends, like I enjoy my life and I enjoy eating and I enjoy wine and I enjoy going to fun places. And I am not the type of competitor that um, is so strict that, you know, I go to like a fun dinner with friends and I'm like, oh, I can't eat this. And no, I'm not going to drink this. And no, no, I have to get up tomorrow morning and train even though it's Christmas day like right, you're not I'm, willing to sacrifice your entire life no no and I I kind of learned that at first I when I first started competing I thought that I would be that way and then um I just realized that it's not really fun for me um what I enjoy the most about CrossFit and fitness in general and working out is being around other people and training with other people so people that know me know that I won't work out by myself <laughs> Yeah. And the difference between me and a games level athlete, you know, like Rich Froning or, you know, Camille LeBlanc is that they train by themselves on the on a regular basis for six hours a day. And maybe once in a while, they'll get workouts in with their friends or people that they know, but they're just training alone and suffering alone. And that's the kind of thing that I don't enjoy. So I really love working out with other people. So I, if I don't have training partners, I'll probably just kind of hang out and stretch and do mobility if I don't have anyone to do my training. Amen. With, so. I, would, I, would be, I would be the same way. Yeah. I, yeah, I, gotta open, myself. I go to open gym sometimes and I like, well, I guess I'll just sit here exactly. for a while. I guess I'll just roll around I'll for a while. I'll like roll around on the foam like roller. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because on, and that's the beauty of CrossFit. And it's what's revolutionized the fitness industry, specifically with CrossFit, is that you're not working out by yourself. You're working out with people that want to see you succeed and you want to see them succeed. And it's fun. And the movements are cool and you all get to be strong and fast together. And I think that's really cool. And honestly, just like a little segue with grid, um, my sport grid, the, the NPGL, that was one of the most appealing things to me was that their slogan was faster together. And I love competing on a team. And so last year when I went team with CSA, that was the deciding factor for me that I'm probably never going to go individual again at regionals. And I just think that team for me is 
a much more um, enjoyable way to do this whole CrossFit and grid thing. So it's definitely something that I'm going to stick with. Yeah, that's, I can see that. I just can't imagine we're just the average CrossFitter over here, but (laughs) to look at how intense that must be day in, day out as an individual competitor would be exhausting. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I have a friend, Margot Alvarez. She's a really great CrossFitter. She's gone to the games every year. She's like top three in NorCal every year at regional. She's She's an amazing amazing person too. She's so nice. And she writes a blog about her training and about her traveling. And half of the time, her blog posts are like, I woke up this morning. I was so sore and miserable. I didn't want to get out of bed. But my boyfriend handed me some ibuprofen or my husband handed me some ibuprofen and said, you got to get up. You got to get back on the grind. You got to train. And that's kind of like how she lives every day. And some people that's, you know, that fuels them and that's her fire and she can do that. But that's not me. (laughs) So you mentioned you mentioned the grid league. Can you talk a little bit about how that came to be for you? Yeah. So, um, I was just kind of doing CrossFit and I had a a friend, a couple friends actually, who reached out to me and said, hey, um, we're starting this league and it's kind of hush hush right now because it's a little bit controversial in terms of it being an offshoot of CrossFit and kind of going against um, CrossFit principles. We're trying to become like a new organization, but it's very much in the testing phase. And would you like to participate? We're going to do like a combine in LA in the next couple months and it's invite only and it's going to be you come, you show your skills and there's going to be team scouts there and they're going to try to recruit you. And what it got kind of got explained to me is they're trying to be the next NFL or NBA. So they're trying to make a team sport out of functional fitness. Um, They want people to um, watch on TV. They want it to be a big deal. They um, want it to be a regular thing more so than just like the CrossFit games being on ESPN. They want it to be like a season where there's finals and it's exciting. And so what it ended up being when I went there, because I really had no clue what it was going to be like, is that Grid is essentially team version of CrossFit. So the really cool, fun team events that they do at the CrossFit games. I mean, it's really similar. We have a team of uh, five men and five women. Now it's seven and seven. Um, this season but when I first started it was five men and five women and we have a master's athlete a master's male and a master's female so over 40 um, on the team that's required and uh, we basically race through little mini sprint CrossFit workouts lots of heavy weight um, lots of gymnastics and uh, it was something where I went to the combine and I tried out and I had a couple mostly it was my lifting that got me looked at by a couple teams and then I ended up having to go to I made it in the top 30 from that combine in LA and I had to go to um, a second combine in Vegas, which was four days. And I had to run through a bunch of races and again, kind of show off just like you would at an NFL combine. And I ended up getting recruited by the LA Reign. So the Los Angeles Reign, very cool organization, great group of people. And they just, we went through a draft and they drafted me and that's kind of how it started. And that was last year. It's just on its second season now. And we are actually doing very badly. We have not won a match. (laughs) We are winless, and it's kind of something that people make fun of me for, but it's, you know, it is what it is. You're the underdogs now. You're going to be coming back. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's been a struggle for our team to kind of figure out what's wrong um, specifically with what we're doing. But in terms of the sport and competing, it's been amazing. And we've been on um, NBC Sports. Um, our semifinals and final matches have all been aired, either pre-recorded or live on NBC. And I'm in a couple commercials, the uh, grid commercials that they air on NBC, just talking about grid. So it's been really fun. It's been a little taste of my favorite sport is basketball. Um, I love the NBA. I love Golden State Warriors. Huge fan. So I love that kind of like that life and the the NBA organization. And so it's been similar to that, just kind of, uh, you know, being repped and um, there's a lot of PR and we do a lot of events and it's fun. So they're really trying to get it off the ground. But again, right now it's very small. So yeah. And do you feel Claire and I always joke about the CrossFit van? Like if we ever say something about CrossFit that could like yeah. get us in trouble and like the CrossFit yep. van is waiting outside to <laughs> yep. like pick us oh, up. Totally. So we, <laughs> we always talk about that. So if there, you know, that's our safe word. If there's ever something we ask, you can just say no CrossFit van. Um, yeah, totally. but I, I almost wonder <laughs> If there's like a little bit of that conflict, because this is not specifically CrossFit, I yeah. mean, are there times when it's just really hard to not use that word when you're doing something? It is. <laughs> there's been a lot of like animosity between the two groups, and that's what's been kind of unfortunate about it. But it's more CrossFit is trying to shut down grid and not so proactively um, now, but the first season, they basically, there were some athletes that were kind of top games athletes that had um, sponsorships with Reebok and contracts and things like that. And there was a lot of um, bad things going on. Basically CrossFit's organization was threatening the athletes, telling them if you do grid, you're going to be out. You're not going to be able to compete. You're going to be ostracized. You're going to get your contracts pulled your stipends pulled and so there was like a lot of drama with lawyers and it was kept really hush hush but crossfit is not a mm -hmm. fan of grid um well the i thing remember is last year oh go ahead no go ahead i remember <laughs> lot was it last year when like a lot of funding was pulled or something and they had to like yeah, freeze it for yeah. a while and it was that was was that um, was that related <laughs> we don't know okay like, the athletes are kind of kept in the dark sometimes but we did know that a um an investor pulled out a 10 okay. million dollar investor um, and Tony Budding is the owner of the league. At, at this point, I don't know if he's still the owner of the league, but he was. And Tony Budding was like Greg Glassman's right-hand man. And he ended up leaving because he didn't agree with what Greg Glassman was doing with CrossFit. And he just wanted to start his own thing. So he started Grid. And I think that really obviously irked some people. And I think the investor was was convinced to pull out by someone. And again, it's not he something got black that we have... by the CrossFit van. Yeah, yeah exactly, I feel like this is exactly. a movie where they're I like, know, right? people are like, <laughs> sleuthing around yeah, yeah it was really weird so that that was almost disastrous because the league almost completely um fell apart and our team actually the la rain had to come in kind of step in and save it with um the funding and everything and the second season was a lot better um they figured everything out but yeah the there's a lot of it's hard because our grid kind of representatives and the people that run the league and our our team owners they are very adamant about us not comparing the sport to CrossFit. They don't want us to say, because when it first started, our description was, well, you know what CrossFit is, right? <laughs> when people would right. ask, well, it's the team <laughs> racing version of CrossFit. And they're like, you can't say that. So we all had to like <laughs> figure out how to say, you know, functional fitness, human performance, racing, things like that. And then it got to the point where like, we couldn't even say no rep or three, two, one go because CrossFit like sued us. <laughs> Are oh you kidding me? Yeah, own, so they own those. They yeah. own, they copyrighted 321 Go and Did no they copyright, rep. They copyrighted no rep? 
Yeah, so we have to say we have we have to say fault when there's a no rep. So we can't say no rep, and then we can't say three, two, one, go. We have to say five, two, one, race. So that's what you hear at every match. I need to like, we need to, we, we, uh, one of our, our favorite listeners is a copyright as a trademark lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I would really be interested to know that like, cause I know that you can't, if that's even possible. Well, yeah. like you're, you're like literally not allowed to copyright something unless you're the one who, who invented it, invented it. Yeah. And I think it's more the, the context of how we're using it. Like, that's I think that was their hilarious. argument because what's crazy about CrossFit is their, their legal team is absolutely insane. Like well, they're don't, one of oh, the best worry. legal They've been after us too, Sarah. Don't exactly. Worry. Yeah. So it's like, I'm sure they <laughs> figured understand. it out to where it's like completely legal telling us that we can't use oh no rep. Gosh. Like they probably figured that out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, yeah. like oh hilarious, gosh. but also sad. Yeah. yeah. For me, like I know that a lot of top level competitors are really behind HQ and they support them and they do, you know, their certifications are they're like, um, their seminar coaches and uh, they just back them 100%. And I've always kind of been of the mind, I'm not like a CrossFit, I don't shame CrossFit. I'm not like, oh, I hate them. But I've definitely, um, it, for me, CrossFit, again, is about the community. It's about the training. It's about the workouts. I don't care what HQ does. And sometimes I really think that what they do, the things that they do are embarrassing. And I know that a lot of local gyms in my area have unaffiliated and become strength and conditioning gyms just because they just don't agree with the way that CrossFit's running the company. So... It's something that I don't really get involved in. I just kind of work out and have fun. And sure. I live a healthier lifestyle now because of it. So I'm always grateful to CrossFit. And it's always going to have a dear place in my heart because I started it when, again, nobody knew who it was, what it was, or who Greg Glassman was. And it was very, like, a good good period um, in CrossFit's life. And now it's kind of changing. But for the people like me who started it back in 07 or even earlier, it's not you know, it's not of a concern to us. We still love to do it. So. Yeah. And that's a good place to be. That's a good mindset to have. Yeah. Uh, have you judged since uh, 2012 at the games? Uh, yeah, I did 2013. That was my last year. But I let, judging at local competitions is always fun for me, too, because um, I don't do a ton of local competitions. Um, in Northern California, there's actually a lot of them. And I'll do some you know, once every couple months, but I like to attend them and just kind of cheer on my friends. And then I'll judge at those as well, just because it's fun because it's weird for me. And I talk about this with my boyfriend all the time. Um, CrossFit has created this kind of weird thing with like the CrossFit celebrity and like people are like obsessed with these like high level CrossFitters as they would be with like a basketball player like LeBron James. Like oh, totally. Rich Froning is some people's like LeBron James. And I find that really strange. Enjoy. Considering, <clears throat> like it's yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Claire. <laughs> Oh my god, that's awesome! So I don't um, mean to out you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's like really strange because if you think about it, as impressive of an athlete as he and they are, they're just working out. Like no, they're they're, working I know, out. we always say that we're like they're just really good at exercising. Yeah, they're really good at exercising. Joy, and it's like Joy ran into Camille at Roots during her level one last spring, and yeah, and she was texting me about it, and she was like, and I was like, Joy, you just got to remember, she's just really good exerciser. Yeah, she's good exerciser, and I was so intimidated. To Camille's yeah. credit, she was a really high-level gymnast once. True. But, but 
it's just kind of like, um, for me, it's weird because I am a decent competitor and people know who I am just from my online presence a little bit and some of my sponsors and so, and grid now, especially, and I'll run into people at local competitions that I don't even know. And they're like, Oh my God, Sarah, you inspire me. Like, I love you. Can I get your autograph? Can I get your picture? And I love it because I love that I can inspire people, but it's so weird for me. Cause I'm like, I am not like anyone famous at all. The people that I don't even know. You just have to embrace it sarah you have to it, we we call it we call it it's hashtag fun. we call it hashtag so famous yep it's hashtag so famous hilarious. <laughs> yeah we even had a moment like that i remember at the games where we were kind of sitting there and all of a sudden we kind of turned to each other and we're like is it weird that we have spent hundreds upon hundreds of dollars to buy tickets get yeah. out here like put ourselves in a hotel so yeah. we can come spend three days to watch people exercise yeah, yeah. it's fascinating though it's amazing <laughs> yeah it's totally so fascinating. funny. But I want to back up really quick at the, about the judging question. Is it, yeah. is it, or I guess you, did you start grid when you were being a judge too? Did that kind of overlap? Um, in terms not, of not I really? mean, kind of. Because I was but... wondering, I'm like, would that, that would be so hard to kind of like switch gears of going to the three, two, one, go. And then, all yeah. The <laughs> oh, that was hard. I didn't, I actually, I didn't actually judge for grid at all. So that was fine, but it was difficult. Yeah. Going, even just using the it. lingo. Yeah. Yep. When they changed it to fall and like five two one race, we're also used to like three two one go and like no rep. That it was very hard, and it was actually really hard for the judges. And they had like some slip ups where they'd say no rep, and like the head judge would come over and be like, "You can't say that." Like we're on NBC. God. <laughs> yeah. So they have to like bleep it out like it's a cuss word. Exactly. Yeah. So and that's weird. And then also like. The judging and grid is very, very serious. Like it's very serious. It's it's even more serious than like the games judging because at the games it's like crazy chaotic. Like there's people cheering. Like obviously that is at grid matches as well, but it's very small the grid arena and so it's like you have to be like on point so focused on your athlete and there's been a lot of judging controversies because they haven't ironed out all the issues that the judges can have but they'll get there eventually it's just like any other sport you have to kind of train your referees to be really good at what they do so was it is there any kind of fun behind the scenes thing that you can tell us about being a judge at the games Oh, yeah. We got so many fun perks. We got, like, a whole, like, athlete kit kind of thing from Reebok. Like, they gave us clothes and shoes, and we got really good catered food, and we got to, like, hang out where all the athletes were. So you'd go into lunch to, like, the little room where they had the food, and, like, the athletes would be in there, and it was really cool to kind of be around them. And just being able to be right in the middle of the action at the games is much different than watching it. Just oh, sure. Like, in in good ways and bad ways, like I would kind of say as a judge, um, I tell people like it's hard because I can't really see what's going on. Like I'm very focused on my athlete. Right. So someone will win the heat and I have no idea what's going on because I'm just so focused on my athlete. And right. if they're not winning, then I don't know who's winning. And I'm just like, oh, please. Like, <laughs> like I hope you do good. And like it's really hard because um, Adrian Bosman, he's like right. HQ's like the, head judge the, the now. Judge, judging Jesus. Yeah. Well, I knew him when he was nobody, when he was Boz at CrossFit San Francisco because um, I used to go there. CrossFit San Francisco is one of the first CrossFit gyms in the world and he was a, a coach there and an athlete there and we used to be really, I mean we're still good friends but we were training partners and friends and he kind of came up in the ranks and started being judge, uh, judging at events and then eventually now he's head judge and but we were the last games that I judged at I was like judging an athlete on the rower and it was a team, a team event and I'm very like when I coach people I'm very like you can do it come on you can do it and I'm like in his face like you can do this keep wrong keep pulling and Oz has to come over and he goes stop 
you're the cheerleader. You're his judge. You're supposed to say good, no rep, rep. You're not supposed to cheer on. I'm like, okay. And he had to do it like five times because I kept doing it because I just get so caught up and excited. And I would just be like, you can do it. Don't the bar. Don't. And he's like, stop. You can't say that. I was like, oh, sorry. Let's. I want to shift back over to Gray just a little bit, if for a minute. Joy's kind of looking yeah. at me. Like, well, no, I had. We have a few more minutes. I can I ask one question yes. before we move on with yes. that. Do how do they assign the judges to the athletes, or do they uh, um, for for the games? It's t- well. So for the lower, I don't wouldn't say lower level athletes. That's kind of insulting. But for like the, the earlier heats. Not, yeah, the exactly the earlier heats of the teams and the individual, especially the teams, um, but the individuals too. They kind of assign the people who are volunteers that are just like, hey, I showed up and I want to judge and I'm level one certified and let's do this. And we have no training. I mean, besides what they tell us the day of um, the people for the games athletes, like the or the top level athletes, like the top, you know, 15 and like the top 15 teams. I know that those people have to be level two certified now and they have to go through a judges course that's like two weeks long. Wow. wow. Um, yeah. So none of the lower level judges like me who just kind of do it for fun are allowed to judge the top heats anymore. It didn't used to be like that. Like I think the second time that I judged at the games, it was not like that. We were just like, okay, you're with, you know, Rich Froning. And everybody was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I would be so excited. scared like, to judge. <laughs> yeah. They would be like jumping up and down. Like, I want to judge him. I want to judge him. Like it was kind of like that. But now it's like, no, you like, if you're not um, taking it seriously, then you obviously can't judge the top heat. Okay. You're like, oh my God, I yeah. didn't know Rep Rich Froning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. You have to be very brave. Well, I think know? of like like this year, the one who no repped Camille on this Natch ladder. Oh my it gosh, was like, like 10 times. Oh my gosh. Like I was like, yeah. oh my God, she, there's going to be some like heads rolling or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Her house is going to get teepeed later. Seriously. With, with KT tape. Yeah, exactly. Some of the athletes do like get really upset i mean there's been bad it's like scenarios in the past where athletes have like threatened to kill judges and like there's been like some bad stuff that's Whoa. happened and it's been caught on video Mama. and like oh yeah exactly yeah she's i mean okay anyway go ahead claire <laughs> anyway yeah. i was just gonna go back to grid for two seconds um yeah so how has how was your approach to your training different when you're training for grid versus when you're training for regionals yeah, that's a really good question. It's like night and day. For grid season, it's kind of nice because it's the off season for CrossFit. Grid season doesn't start till, I mean, training camps start after regionals, but it really didn't start till after the games because we have a lot of games athletes um, on the teams. And so they were very considerate of people's kind of goals. And um, like Lindsay Valenzuela is on my team and so is Nola Olson. And they're both really high level, just top athletes that had a chance at the podium. So they kind of said, we're going to let you do that. And then you guys can come back and train. So, well, it probably benefits uh, Grid too to know that, like, okay, you can focus. You're not training for the CrossFit yeah. Games while we want you to be focusing on Grid. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And because they're very, very different, and that's what people kind of don't understand maybe about the sports is that you can compare Grid and CrossFit like you would compare marathon running and football. So kind of CrossFit is all about endurance. I mean, it is about strength in some ways. There's obviously strength events, but it's about how hard can you push for how long? It's kind of like, can you, you know, kill yourself for 25 minutes and be right. victorious at Not the end of it? for then four days. Yeah. And yeah. for us, it's um, how explosive, how fast can you be? 
in a very small amount of time. How strong, how fast, how explosive can you be in a very small amount of time? So when I train for grid, it's like, you know, 10, 15, 20 second efforts where I'm going all out doing, you know, max pull-ups and then running to the bar doing max deadlifts and running off or working through a strength ladder as fast as I can. It's all about fast explosivity and CrossFit training is all about endurance, stamina. I mean, you know, the 10 physical fitness components that they talk about. You have to have all of those to be good at CrossFit for grid if you're a good CrossFitter like a really high level CrossFitter you might not be good at grid because you're used to that slow chugging movement um, not slow but kind of like moderate right, um, what the we do in grid kind of mindset yep what we do in grid is you have to be so fast because every rep can put you behind and then you're done for the race so it's like every rep counts you have to be so meticulous with every rep and, and the standards that you adhere to so the only problem with grid training that I have is that I tend to get very injured when I'm doing it because it is so explosive. It is so fast. I have to be very careful um, because it can be very dangerous. We're moving f- big loads really fast. We're doing gymnastics really ridiculously fast. So those are things that like we have to be really conscious of versus CrossFit. I feel like it's I do it for health and I do it for wellness and I really don't get injured. I feel like that's a, a um, criticism I've heard of grid is sort of like, yeah. you know, at what point is this just becoming, I know, you know, a little bit in the same way that the games this past year was criticized. Like at what point is yeah. this just becoming like a spectacle? Yeah. And are we really just, you know, kind of trying to see how ridiculous people can get, yeah. you know, like how ridiculous it can get? Yeah. And, and, and as athletes, we have that kind of debate with ourselves too. Like the first season um, of grid, it was very basic. And then we started to get hints near the end of the season that they were going to be putting these really strange movements in and they started to do it and like this season if you watch some of the matches some of the movements are just ridiculous right, like, like we look butterfly pull up toes bar yeah that kind of complex and then right. the, one of the most dangerous ones is the backwards roll to support so it's where you come right. up in like a backwards muscle up like a like a like a somersault on the right. rings it's like and a we've skin s- the cat but then up yep. into a muscle up we've seen people like fall and they're oh. high they're high rings they're like 10 foot rings just fall straight through the rings to the ground like flat out on their face oh um so things like that happening and then like the stones we all thought we just felt so stupid doing that like the big medicine ball stones oh, that we yeah. had to carry it was kind of like it was you know to mimic a, a strongman event but at the same time they're just so cumbersome that we looked like a little ant trying to pick up like a giant piece of food and like carry it across <laughs> the grid it was like so stupid well and not only that but like strongman is one of is like I mean, there are obviously a few things that can overlap easily, but I feel like those very specific strongman movements, that would yeah. almost be like taking a strongman and being like, okay, you're going to go into a snatch ladder. Like, oh, just because exactly. you're strong doesn't mean you know exactly. how to do that movement. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why we can, that's what's cool about grid um, in terms of we have specialists. So mm-hmm. what's nice about the teams is that they can recruit a specialist. So if you have a bunch of strongman events, if you recruit a strongman on your team, like, um, one of the teams, I think it was uh, Baltimore, they brought on a really famous uh, Russian Olympic weightlifter, Dmitry Klokov. Oh. <laughs> and they they signed him. Oh, my him. God. Yeah, and they put him on the team. And so all he did was their Olympic weightlifting stuff in the races. And then they'll have, like, the San Francisco Fire had a guy. They recruited him. They um, drafted him. He's a an acrobat. And so he he literally did like all of the ring stuff because he's very confident with it. So that's what's kind of nice. But then like the generalist, like me, I'm I'm a barbell mover, but I'm also kind of a generalist because I can do the gymnastics stuff. We have to kind of be able to do everything, and that can be hard. So right, finding the balance. Yeah, that's hilarious. They brought on Dmitry Klokov. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) cracks 
me up so much. We saw him at He's the game. funny. Yeah. And he had a polo shirt on. And it was like, you're wearing like a three sizes, two small polo shirt. Yeah. Totally on purpose, He's a you? crazy dude. He's a crazy <laughs> dude. I, I um, coach at a local gym here. And the owners of the gym are friends of mine. And they went to his seminar. He did like a two-day seminar, uh-huh. an Olympic weightlifting seminar. And they said it was the craziest thing they've ever been to. And one of my um, friends that went, he speaks fluent Russian because he's Russian, but he moved here a long time ago, so he doesn't mm-hmm. have an accent, but he can speak Russian. And so him and Klokov were just teaching the seminar and like going back and forth talking in Russian. And he was like the translator for Klokov. And he said it was like oh the gosh. weirdest seminar he's ever been to. <laughs> We used to follow him on Instagram and you would just see him doing like these like, you know, muscle snatches on a GHD. Yeah. And it's like, what are you yeah. doing? He loves showing off. And that's why Grid was like perfect for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. That's really Yeah. Cool. Oh, well, we're out of time, Sarah. I feel like we need to have you back because I have, I'm like writing down questions as we're talking and I have, I have a whole like doodle page right now, like (laughs) full of things we need to talk about. So we need to have you back for sure. I would love to. Where, where can people find you? Um, different places, obviously. Like not your address or anything, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. Here's my home address. Actually, really quickly. That's kind of creepy. I just found out that like certain girls on Instagram, like I won't say who, but like high level, like crossfit competitors and like other people like strongman chicks and bodybuilders they'll put like an address a mailing address in their instagram description like for their profile and they'll be like this is where you can send me gifts and people send them like presents and they get like creepy presents from people Oh my god! Like they're Instagram fans. <laughs> Did you see? Are you a Taylor Swift fan? I am. Did you see the like the fan who knitted her a sweater with yes. a Polaroid, a Polaroid of- picture that so was awesome. that was from weird. Denver, I think. It was from yeah. Denver. Yeah. yeah, and that's like a borderline. Like, okay, that's kind of cool, but at the same time, yeah. you spent like a year yeah. knitting my face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like um, one of the girls that I know that does that, she got a cake that had like a picture of her printed out on it that this guy took at a competition that he's like in love with her. So he like made her a cake and then he like printed the picture Which is, like, on it. Which like stalker photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, Look at this picture uh, I took with the back of your head. So where, exactly. where can people not stalk you? But like... Yeah, not stalk me. I still get stalkers on my Instagram, but my Instagram handle, it's public. So anyone can kind of follow me. It's um, Triceratops, but it's three S-A-R-A-H-T-O-P-S. Okay. So it's like the number three and then Ceratops. And that kind of comes from um, the movie Land Before Time. The little Triceratops name is Sarah. Oh, yeah. And my mom always used to call me that. So That's <laughs> so cute. I yeah. love it. I so love that. Land Before Time. Yeah, and then uh, my Facebook page, um, you just kind of search Sarah Pierce, and if you're a CrossFitter and you have CrossFit friends, I'll probably pop up, because it kind of does that whole algorithm where it oh, shows yeah. you people that you know. Um, and then and I also have an athlete page, it's also under Sarah Pierce, and then I have a nutrition page for my nutrition and coaching business, it's called Lift This, Eat That, um, so Lift This, comma Eat That, and that's kind of the name of my business. And then my email, Pierce at gmail.com, it's just E-I-L-E-E-N, it's how you spell it. And that's where most people contact me for nutrition help and questions. Wonderful. And we'll link yeah. to all of that on our Facebook page as well awesome. and Instagram so everyone can reach you. But this has cool. been such a fun interview. Thank you it so much for been. all the info. Yeah. And uh, you guys, you can, our listeners can uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. We're bumping up in the ratings. So we're going to like 
beat Wadcast and Barbell Shrugged. I just know it. And Jillian yes. Michaels. Our, and Jillian Michaels. I think they're like always <laughs> the top three and we're like number 200. Yeah. But we're oh like, my totally. God. Oh, we have so much more cool than them. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah, stay on the line as we uh, say goodbye here so we can say goodbye to you and to okay, our listeners. Absolutely. Thank you again. Remember to visit Kalo, Q-A-L-O dot com. Enter code GGW for your discount. Support the podcast. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you.